Yo, yo, it's your girl Von J. We'll get Von J in your life podcast. Um, and today is Veterans Day, so I definitely have to acknowledge and show my gratitude for all the veterans out there that have uh, served our country. I appreciate you guys for your bravery because not everybody can do or is capable to do what you guys have done, putting your lives on the line, sacrificing every every day and sacrificing your life so um this day is dedicated to y'all and i pray those that are still with us in this existence were able to celebrate um with your family or if you are still doing your thing um that you had a blessed day um but yeah shout out to y'all salute um because not everybody can do that. Shout out to all my veterans. Happy Veterans Day to all y'all. <clears throat> Today's episode is titled Growing Up Pontiac. This episode, you guys are going to get to know me a little bit more. You go, I'm going to get intimate with you guys. You guys are going to be able to get to learn more about me um, just as a person, a human, a woman, and learn about my journey. So I grew up in a city called Pontiac, Pontiac, Michigan. Grew up in Lancaster Village. I was raised in a single parent household with my mom, which as most black kids stories from the hood, definitely from the hood. And growing up in Pontiac, Pontiac is a small town and outside of Detroit, you know, those of you that know what's up with the D and you familiar with Michigan, y'all know what's up. And for those of you guys that don't know, <clears throat> Pontiac is just like a, a small town, um, still city. Like a smaller version of Detroit, but just like maybe 20 minutes away from the D, you hop on the freeway, you know, you get to the D, get to the Pontiac in 20 minutes. So um, that's where I grew up. A lot of people that don't know me and met me out here in L.A. Yeah, I've been out in L.A. almost 20 years, but I was born and raised in Pontiac, Michigan, Um I just moved out to L.A. very early because I always get the question like, oh, where are you from? You from New York? You from L.A.? And because nobody never knows, you know, they hear accent um, or they just assume because they've seen me. All they know is like, oh, we've only really seen this woman in Los Angeles. Um, but they never considered the fact that. And it's interesting because there's so many people that relocate to L.A. that. Most of us are transplants. Most of the people in Los Angeles are not from here. But it's, I guess it's just something about my vibe. I have a, such a high level of respect for the culture, living in California, living in L.A. Um, and I know how to move in my lane, you know. Um, so I think that's why so many people just assume that I'm from here. Um, just because I'm just, I'm just a cool chick. I'm cool, laid back. You can't really um identify or place me unless you really get a chance to know me and talk to me 
with that said, growing up in Pontiac, Michigan, um, was definitely not the easiest thing. I grew up in Pontiac, Michigan, born Siobhan, uh, Kamalia James, um, to my mother, Yvette James, shout out to my moms, um, single parent. I'm the oldest. Um, I was a only child for like 12, almost 13 years. And then my mom hit me with that. Oh, I'm about to have another baby. You know what I mean? So that's that, you know, that only child syndrome kicks in a little bit, but, uh, nonetheless, we had a blessing that was born. Uh, my little sister, Vashanti James, um, who is 24. Um, she just made 24 in March, St. Patty's baby. Um, so even though she's my little sister, that's like my baby, man. It's like, it's like my, I feel like, and I get on her nerves cause I treat her like she my daughter, but I really feel like I raised you, you know what I mean? I raised you, um, though I didn't give birth to you, like, I want to make sure you had the best. I want to make sure you didn't make the same mistakes I made. Like, so it's not nothing personal. It's just that I'm big sis. This is what we supposed to do. But with that said, um, a lot of kids out there got the same story as me. I know for me, I grew up and um a cooperative you know you have the projects and then you have a cooperative um and it was called Lancaster Village grew up over there um it was definitely hood you know I was in the sports um did a lot of stuff within school but you know when you're in the hood there's other things that uh you're exposed to um that you start getting privy to and you just uh, start doing a few things you really don't have no business doing. So growing up in Lancaster and growing up in Pontiac, um, I had to grow up a little quicker than I would have liked. Um, you know, we got a single mom. My mom was a teacher. Um, and she's still alive right now, though. Mom's is... Um, I moved out here to L.A. with me. She had a stroke, and the major stroke pretty much took her out. So she's, like, in the, veg, you know, vegetative state life support situation right now. Sherman Oaks, shout out to Sherman Oaks Hospital. But that said, um, my mom and her better days, uh, she's always been a teacher, uh, and her field her niche was special education so by day mom was a teacher for the Pontiac school district special education then of course her hustles were um cleaning buildings at nighttime um she also worked at group homes as well you know my mom's always worked two three jobs just to make sure bills was paid rent was paid Food was on the table, clothes was on the back. She did the best she could. It still wasn't really enough. Um, so you you grow up like this. You see, you grow up in a single parent household, um, and you see that she's not 
you know, kids are not stupid. I'm seeing that my mom's barely able to take care of her expenses, take care of her bills, let alone um, do these the basics, the basic shit for me and my little sister. So you see that, you like, yo, like, this ain't the mood, this ain't the life to be struggling like this, poor, watching your mom work, all these millions of jobs. So I've always very early strive to be the best. Like, I just want the best. I want a better life, you know what I mean? Um, so with that said, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, single-parent household, my pops, rest in peace, Sonny. I knew who he was. He came around, um, spent time, of course, child support, looked out, did what he could or whatever. But he was also a married man. And to my knowledge, my mother didn't know he was married when I was conceived. And, um, Shout out to my mom. She uh, went ahead and decided to keep me. And that probably was a tough decision for her because she grew up in a Jehovah's Witness household. Both my grandparents um, were Jehovah's Witnesses. So 21, 22-year-old getting pregnant out of wedlock by a married man and you and your, both of your parents Jehovah's Witness, that's frowned upon. But I'm very grateful and blessed that my mom's decided not to terminate and she decided to give me a chance at life. Um, that's not to be taken for granted. Um, it just is the circumstance of how I was brought into this world. Uh, you know, a lot of kids was brought into this world under those same circumstances. I think it's just all about how you look at the circumstances and what you make out of it. So... For me, it was a little different growing up in a single-parent household and your pops ain't really in your household like that. He around, but he not. Um, my my pops, I say from what I got from my mom was being always helping somebody and wanting to see the best in people and um, – extending myself because I don't want to see people without or see them suffer. What I got from my pops um, is hustle, get this money. You feel me? He was um, a plant worker, Ford plant worker. That's considered blue collar. But he also hustled too in terms of gambler. Was a gambler, but he always hit. So, And he was a ladies' man. Um. Not a bad dude, good dude. Um, some will look at it and say, oh, he was a womanizer. Oh, he, he, you know, he's the kind of man that, you know, ain't right, whatever, whatever. Nonetheless, that was still my pops. I, the, my take on it is that you can still be a good man. You might not necessarily make the right decisions in terms of society or a woman that's looking at what this particular man is doing. But nonetheless, he was a good man. He had a good heart and he always helped 
everybody if he if you call him or if it was within his will he was helping you whether that was financial or whether that was just you know you need a ride my pops my my pops had your back shout out to Sonny um he's a Libra like me so you know we had a lot of those saying qualities but for me just my circumstances yeah you got the grandparents over there my grandparents they kind of picked up the slack that happens in a lot of the black communities where you if you born in a single parent household um the grandparents you know even though we know our moms and pops them grandparents they the ones who instill those specific values into us they the ones who technically raise us you know what I mean because our parents either our dad is not around or in the picture or he is but we barely see him or the and then if, if we do stay with our mom she working a million and one jobs so we are basically left with our grandparents to babysit us and to make sure we eat to make sure that we um that we're safe you know what I mean and um shout out to both my grandparents who are both now deceased I didn't know my dad's parents I never knew who they were they were deceased I don't really know makes me a little emotional I don't really know his side of the family like that with the exception of a couple of his sisters who have made an effort to have a rapport with me shout out to my Aunt Lula but as far as my my grandparents my maternal grandparents from my mom um, Rosa and Clarence, they, um, were essential, uh, to my life, you know, in terms of my, uh, my character, my decision-making, um, and how I, how I moved and, and did certain things within my life, even though I made errors and made mistakes, they were there, um, to do what they could. And they were, they were huge instruments in my life. Um, even though they are gone, a lot of them, a lot of what they taught me is still in me. It doesn't leave you. Um, I lost my grandma in June, no, excuse me, July 1st of 08 to ovarian cancer. And then I recently lost my grandfather, uh, as well. Um, just some complications um but yeah I lost my granddaddy oh I miss my granddaddy I lost my granddaddy January 15th 2017 so it'll be two years in 2019 so almost two years um my boo been gone but the one thing I am grateful for is that I did have them for as long as I was able to have them. Some people didn't know their grandparents at all. I didn't never get a chance to meet my dad's parents, but at least I had uh, my mom's parents um, in my life, and and they were able to guide me and instill certain values within me. So I'm very grateful for that. Um, it hurt because when you take losses like that, both set of grandparents gone, one set of grandparents you didn't know, your dad is, he's deceased to cancer and your mom now is currently on life support. It, it takes, it's a lot. It's a lot mentally. It's a lot to really swallow and take in. It's a lot to, to, 
to really know that's the reality that I have to live in. And then also, um, accept it, cope with it and still continue to live my life. And also, uh, try to be as positive and healthy as I can because, you know, they're gone and not coming back or, you know, it is what it is. But going back to my childhood, I remember just seeing certain things. I remember, um, like, I want to sell dope, you know, because I'm like, yo, my mama, you know, ain't getting me the stuff that I want to get. I'm seeing other kids look fly. I mean, I had the essential stuff. You know, my grandparents did what they could to help my mom with stuff. But, you know, you get older, you see stuff in the hood, you see what people wearing, sneakers and so forth. So it's like, I want to be fly like this too. So I got tired of hearing I can't afford this or no. So um, I remember when I used to go to the hall, came to hall, my grandma, so... I remember I was like probably like eighth grade, Madison Junior High. And my I remember Brother Tucker said he had a car that his kids weren't using no more. And uh he's looking to get rid of it. My grandma asked me, like, yo, you know, um, Brother Tucker has a car and he doesn't need you. it's a stick. Do you want it? Or would you be willing to drive it? Brother Tucker was selling this car for a hundred dollars. I was so ready to stop waiting outside for the bus because it's cold we will have to get up like 6 30 7 a.m for me to go wait for the bus just to catch the bus to go to school i was over that shit so i told my grandma i say yes tell brother tucker i want the car i will learn how to drive it and um she got the car for me from brother tucker and i learned how to drive it at the silver now now for those that don't know football they're not familiar with the silver dawn the silver dawn was the big um, parking lot, excuse me, Silverdome was where the Detroit Lions used to play for many, many years. And um, it was also a place where people went to go exercise and walk around the stadium. And also that was where all the kids learned how to drive. You feel me? They would go, their parents or grandparents or whoever would take them up to the Silverdome. And that's how we learned to drive, driving around the Silverdome. So learned how to drive a stick, you know what I mean? Like, that's how bad I want to drive. So, boom, we got our first car in the eighth grade. I'm, like, 14. Boom, my grandma put me in a little class or whatever so I can get my driver's permit. Boom, we knocked that class out. Then once we knocked that class out, we go get a worker's permit because I was like, yo, I got to get some bread. Like, I'm making bread. I was selling suckers. My little hustle was selling uh caramel candy apple suckers up out of my locker so everybody who knew um everybody knew me in school so they was like in between classes and so forth uh that was kind of really like my first entrepreneur type move outside of selling candy when you're trying to raise money for sports that was really like my my hustling move like I wasn't selling dope like most of the homies in the hood I wanted to every time I approached it and asked a couple of the OGs. They was like, nah, nah, this ain't the life for you, Vine. They would just throw me money, put money in my pocket, buy me little shit. Um, Cause they just felt like, nah, this ain't the life for you. They just did not want me selling dope. You know what I mean? Cause I tried. Um, so once I didn't, couldn't get in on a dope tip to sell 
you know, crack and all the other stuff that that was being sold at that time of me growing up. I'm an 80s baby. So it was a lot going on, a lot of hustling being done. Um, I just said, fuck it. We'll go to school. We'll play sports. We'll play basketball. And I'll sell suckers. You know what I mean? Suckers wasn't enough. I was think I was selling my little suckers for 50 cents, 75 cents a pop. You know, that's cool, you know, put in my pocket or whatever. And everybody knew where to go. Like, everybody in the whole school would come to my locker when I was selling these suckers. But that just wasn't enough, especially when I want other stuff. I want clothes. I want Jordans. Like, I wanted all of these things that I saw all my other classmates or people that I grew up with having. Um, So after talking to my counselor and, couple of my other classmates I found out that they had um certain uh restaurants and stuff was hiring 14 year olds all you had to do was have a work permit so I found out I went to the office or whatever um and they told me where to go I forget the the actual name of the place where we had to go it was like connected it was like I had my junior high, which was Madison, and then across the way you had to go to the high school, which at the time was called Pontiac Northern, and they actually had the building that we needed to go to to get our work permit. So anyway, I shot over there, got my work permit, whoop, 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 filled it out. Um, they let me know what jobs they had available or what jobs was actually hiring a 14-year-old at that time. And, um, it was a few, but Arby's was the main one that was hiring. Um, shout out to Arby's. That was my first job ever. Um, getting paid minimum wage. I think when I got with Arby's, I think minimum wage was like four seventy five. It was like either four twenty five or four seventy five. but I didn't care. I was like, this is a job. I got a car. My grandma was looking out on the insurance or whatever. I'm like 14. You know what I mean? I'm in the eighth grade. My job, again, I'm in the eighth grade, driving a car, or I got my own car. My mama car, actually, she had, she used to have cars and stuff, but it was a rough patch for her. And I remember when I was in the eighth grade, I think one of her cars had got repo. That was the other thing that fueled me, seeing that, seeing that hurt, my mama crying. So she didn't have a car for a while. So imagine an eighth grader taking, I'm dropping my mama off to work. Or no, she get up with me because at the time she was at my school too, teaching. So my grandmother was a lunchroom manager at the high school or just Pontiac School District. But And for a while my grandma was at the same junior high as me in the lunchroom. And then my mama ended up being um, a teacher at Madison too. Or maybe, I think she might have been at another school. Either way, I was getting up, taking her to work, driving her to work, and then I would go to school and and drive myself to school. I know, crazy, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I'm I'm a kid, and this this was my life at 14, but it is what it is. So we make sure moms get to work on time. Boom, all right, ma, I'm going to go to school, finish on my school day, woo, woo, woo. But not to get off track, to go back to that, we get the work permit. Everything official. We fill out the app for Arby's. We go for the interview. We knock that out. Arby's hires me. So I'm at Arby's. I'm doing my thing. Um, I remember my supervisor vividly because that was the first time that I ever really, that I found out what a lesbian was or, you know, 
see one, you know what I'm saying? For real, that was just kind of like out there that really didn't care. Shout out to Karen. She was cool, a cool-ass manager. She was out. This is like late 90s. Um, nonetheless, though, Karen was a cool-ass manager. She hired me. I had a cool little hour. She worked with my school schedule or whatever. And, uh, yeah, so we're getting it popping, man. We eighth grade, you know, got a whip. It's a bucket. It's, it was an 86 Chevy Cavalier. Never forget it. And her name was Betsy. I named my car Betsy. You couldn't tell me shit. I had a car. So I had Betsy, a couple of my friends that I was cool with. Um, actually it was Jamisha I was friends with. Um, I picked, I started picking cause Jamisha hadn't had her car yet. Um, so before she got her car, I would pick her up and then she had a home girl named Shay. So they stayed in the Hills and I'm in Lancaster. So I started swooping them, swooping them up, taking them to school with me. We all roll out to school together, whatever. So it was just dope to just, for me, I felt like a kid is supposed to be a kid, but I felt like, yo, I got to do what I got to do. My mama's struggling. She not able to give me the money that I need. I got to get a job. So, boom, you know, we working. We got a car. We doing what we need to do. We headed to the ninth grade in a little bit. So, you know, I make them couple moves. And uh, from that alone, just that experience of having that car in the, in the eighth grade and Working, that definitely helped me be responsible and learn self-sufficiency. But on top of that, I was able to um, help my mom with bills when she was, like, short on bills or whatever the case may be, like with rent. And I think it might have been Detroit Edison at the time. And, you know, when she messed up bills with her name. She would put bills in my name. I'd be like, all right, Ma, you could go. It's fine. You could put my name down. So I had bills in my name. They probably, I probably still owe some of these people at the age of 14, 15 because my mom couldn't really get certain stuff in her name because she owed them. She owed them. So I am I'm just feel like whatever I got to do to make sure we could maintain and keep the lights on and keep a roof over our head, that's that's what I'm gonna do. That's just the kind of mentality that I had at the age of 14. And I'm tearing up right now because I'm very grateful. You know, um I didn't have a lot. I didn't grow up with a silver spoon or nothing like that, but I always thought big I always wanted more I always wanted a better life I always was one of those kids like I'm gonna get my mama off the hood I'm gonna buy her a big house I'm gonna buy my granny a big house I was one of those kids like you know nobody wants to sit here and suffer and your mama ain't got this and ain't got that and it's roaches coming out like cereal boxes and stuff as soon as you turn on the lights and you know or the lights get cut off so you know what I mean we gotta go ahead and put candles all around the house like that was a part of my reality you know and when you see that and you grow up like that for me I couldn't help but want better you know what I'm saying not that 
my mom didn't do the best that she could or that I didn't have my grandparents that definitely looked out and they were a blessing. Um, I was living in this household though with my mother and my grandparents were an escape. Like when you go over there, you know, you good, you know, ain't no lights finna be cut off. You know, you it's finna be a hot plate of food on the table every night. Like, you know, you good, you know, but if I'm living at home, that's what it is. I'm living at home with my mom. So this was my everyday reality. You know what I'm saying? For me for 12 years. And then once my sister, you know, was born, she was, she was a part, this was her, this became her reality as well. So, um, a part, a big part of who I am and my character, you know, growing up in Pontiac made me, um, gave me my strength, gave me death, um, made, made me be able to be self-sufficient and take care of things that, um, your normal kid from the hood wouldn't be able to do, or your nor things that we, f- that you feel is normal to do that other people should be able to do, um, and maintain, they're not doing because either it was always taken care of for them or they just don't know how for me, I jumped into adulthood very early. Cause I felt like I had no choice. It's like, I got to help my moms with these bills. It's certain shit that I want to get. Boom. This what the, this whoop de whoop. This is what I got to do. So I've always been a hustler. I've always been about money. I've always just been on the go. And because of how I grew up, and my lifestyle and where I'm from, that transcends into my adulthood. And I think that's why a lot of people don't understand me, don't un- don't um, really get me, especially in terms of, like, when I have relationships or when you're dating, a lot of people don't really understand how you move. But a, a lot of the times how an individual moves, is it really is based upon their background and their history and how they grew up. Um, all I know is hustle. All I know is like, I need to go, you know, make this money. I need to, I need to make these moves because if this don't get paid, if I don't do this, nobody's not going to pay it. If this rent ain't paid, boom, it ain't paid. I don't have nobody to go to. I don't got no trust fund. I ain't go over no silver spoon. You know, I don't got mommy. I don't got daddy. I don't got none of that. And even when my grandparents, when they were still alive, they would send um, a couple coins, I think, because I've been out in L.A. since I was like 18. I'm 36 now. So I moved out to L.A. like September 2003. So I came out and I was a teenager. You feel me? So I'm 36. So when you see me, you don't really know the story. You just like, Oh, I met her out here. She cool, whatever, whatever. But I've been out here for years. I lived in New York for two years by coastal. I've been, so think about a teenager that's coming out from Michigan. I basically was a teenager who came into my, I'm a young Girl that don't know shit, just a young little girl who grew into a young woman who grew into, uh, you know, you grow into a young woman and then now you're able to grow into being a grown ass woman. But I always, from a young age, knew money got to be made, bills got to be paid. 
Facts. You know what I mean? And if them shits ain't taken care of, you out on the street. So um, now I'm in a space, a, a different space, just learning how to relax and learning. And I'm 36, just now learning how to relax, learning not to chase money because I used to chase money like, oh, I got to do this. I ain't got time for sleep. Now, don't get me wrong. The hustle's all always going to be within me. But I had to learn and understand that you have to have a balance. You can still maintain. You can still take care of responsibilities um, that you have to take care of. But you have to have a balance and discipline. I didn't have discipline. You know, a lot of the things that I was doing, just misspending and, you know, just spending on things, I that's unnecessary. You know, so now... At 36, I'm learning to say, no, I don't need to go out here. If it's not necessary, I don't need to go out. I can um, stay at home or relax in my home and, you know, work on some writing materials or record some podcast episodes, you know, and just clean up my house or go do some stuff for my mom. Um, I'm her conservator and her advocate, so a lot of times I have to go up to the hospital, meetings about her and what's going on with her. Because even though she is she can't talk or any of that, she's still alive. I still have to advocate for her. So, you know, we're just moving. I'm still a hustler, but I'm hustling smarter and hustling in a different way to where it's not stressing me out or draining me. Um, a lot of people ask me, well, how do you do it? Or, you know... It's, it's hard in L.A. or is this or that? Or why didn't you just leave your mom in Michigan? Whatever, whatever. I get a lot of questions, but the bottom line is, man, at the end of the day, ain't nothing going to be easy in life. All it, it, we, we, we face a lot of things that are can be difficult. Um, I, I think a lot of the things that I deal with seems hard to some people, but it seems very easy for for me, cause I'm a, um, I'm a problem solver. I'm self-sufficient. I'm a problem solver. And I always look at the positive and stuff. Cause it really is about the universe. I don't know if you guys believe in the universe and it's about energy. So if I believe it's hard, it's going to be hard. But if I, if I believe I can get this shit done, it's going to get done. Like I didn't really have the money or knew how I was going to get moms out here to, to LA when she had that first major stroke, but I knew that we got to make it happen because I don't want to move back to Michigan. I went back there temporarily um, to handle some things on her behalf, and then we made it happen. I got to get my mom to California. Guess what? Mom's has been out here um, in California and L.A. since April of 2014, and – it's unfortunate her 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 current state of health, which I'm currently going through that process right now. I'm not gonna speak on that. Uh, I'll probably touch on it in another episode, but she's still here. Um, so all my listeners out there, you know, or everybody that's listening for the first time, whether somebody told you about my podcast, whether you a friend or I met you one time, 
I want you guys to re to really when you interact with people and when you meet somebody new, understand that we all come from different walks of life. Uh, we all have different backgrounds. And a lot of the times based upon how we grew up and our circumstances, that's why a lot of people move the way they move. That's why a lot of people do some of the things that they do. And a lot of times you're not going to be able to understand why people make some of the decisions that they make or some of the moves that they make. And that's okay. Um, but what I'm saying to you guys is just a good person is a good motherfucking person. You feel me? So don't discard a good person because you don't really understand them or understand their moves. Um, life is about, connections and meeting people and interacting um with humans and that's the beautiful thing about life you know we're all not the same we're all very different we all do things differently but uh sometimes not understanding somebody is the most beautiful part as to how you get to know somebody because you don't understand them and you don't know them that's the beautiful part of getting to know somebody so that I hope that kind of gives you a little bit of I know it might seem all over the place to some people or some people probably got it. I just kind of want to give you a snapshot of who I am, where I come from and the journey that I've been on. And, and I'm still on the journey, but I just kind of want to give you guys just a snapshot of you know, who I am and, um, where I'm at and uh, just a glimpse of my journey, just so you could get a better understanding of, you know, Von J. Yeah. My name is Siobhan James, but, um, I'm also known as Von J. And then musically, a lot of people call me Von Jilla. Um, I'm just multi, uh, multifaceted and, I'm a creator, I'm a lover, I'm a giver, um, I'm a forgiver, and I'm just somebody, y'all, that just want the best in life. I just want to win and have a, an amazing quality of life, and I want that for everybody else, whether I know you or not. I feel like at the end of the day, we all deserve a decent quality of life. We all deserve to be treated with respect. We all deserve to have a roof over our head. We all deserve to eat every night and have some food. We all deserve to, to, to be able to just have the essential shit in life. It's not about trying to be a millionaire, have all the money in the world, but I do deserve, um, for me, I'm going, I'm, I have goals, I have sets, so I want the best in life. And for me, I knew that I had to change my circumstance and change my environment and relocate. Not run away, but relocate to Los Angeles um, if I wanted these things to happen and to manifest. And um, honestly, they have, you know, um, financially. I'm not at that, in that tax bracket that I want to be in, but spiritually, and mentally, I'm very rich. I'm richer than a lot of people. And I've helped a lot of people. 
I'm, st- I'm still going to continue to help people. And it's just a blessing. You know, that's just in me. That's how I was raised. And I don't know no other way but to be good to people and have a good motherfucking heart and to just be genuine and have genuine connections. If it ain't real, if it ain't genuine, I can't fuck with it because that's just not in me and that's just not how I was raised. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, we all have to do what's best for us. Um, and we all have to figure out what's best for our life and the path that we are on. So whatever it is that you're going through or whatever uh, is going on in your life, make sure that you live in your life the way you want to live it and you make the decisions that you need to make for yourself. Because um, at the end of the day, it's your life. Um, you can't let people dictate what you should do, how you should do it when it comes to your life. Um, you do have to use your discernment and wisdom and I'm very selfless, but you do have to get to a point to where you have to be selfish in terms of your time, um, extending yourself and things that you're able to do for other people. Cause if you ain't able to do anything for yourself, then you can't put yourself out there to do stuff for other people because it's um, it's not healthy and it's not doing anything. It's not going to help you in the long run, so we just have to use our discernment. Not that we can't still love and care and provide, but we have to do it within reason and we all we have to make sure we're good before we do before we do good for others we gotta make sure that we're good so um i just hope on this veterans day that first of all you guys those of you guys that were off were able to just really um use this day maybe to relax or do something that you that you were able to do in terms of uh, something that you love or something that brings you joy. Um, and for all the veterans that are in the field or the ones that's retired, I hope that you were able to just enjoy, you know, just take a breather and chill out. And for those that are out there in the field, cause it's, it's veterans that's actually working today. Uh, hopefully you had a blessed day whether it was on the boat, in the field, in another country, wherever it is that you're at. Um, I hope we all were wrapped in some good energy today is essentially what I'm trying to say. Because um, life is about energy. Everything that we do is energy. Um, and you always want to be around some good energy. You don't know? never want to be around nothing crazy or something that feel crazy. Um, but I am going to wrap up. I just wanted to kick it with you guys because a lot of people ask me, <laughs> you know, where are you from? What's your story? And that's not even my whole story. Um, my story, I, I'm definitely eventually going to write a book, you know what I mean? Or do a documentary. I actually have a documentary, 
that I'm going to do for, and it's following my mom in this journey. And it's called, um, a stroke of love. I'm in pre-production for that right now. Um, so we're getting a lot of things done creatively behind the scenes. I'll definitely keep you guys updated as to what I have going on. This was just more so, so you could just, I just want to kind of let you guys into my world and my universe. So that way you can know what's what. Um, so you can know who Von J is, you know what I'm saying? Is Von J my real name? No, Siobhan James is my real name. I just happen to go by Von J. And the reason why it's called Get Von J in Your Life Podcast because um, it's, and this is not coming from a cocky place, but I kind of got the name Von J because this basically comes from Siobhan and my last name James. So Von, and then you put the J on there. Boom. And uh, my former agent, they were like, yo, that'd be cool to submit you as Von J. You know, so in terms of Hollywood, they felt like that was like a good fit just for a stage name. So it just kind of stuck in terms of certain people that I met that, you know, they just ended up, you know, it ended up sticking, you know, outside of me auditioning. But with that said, um, the give Von J in your life concept is a real, it's a, it's real. Basically anybody who knows me on a personal level and cause you guys that are listening that probably don't know me, I'm very resourceful. So I don't care if it's somebody that needs a mechanic, you need an agent, you need housing, um, you need a real estate agent, you need a writing teacher, you need to learn how to give head better because your partner about to leave you. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy. I'm a little, I'm crazy. I'll be just, just giving crazy examples, but I'm blessed. That's one thing I am blessed is uh, with resources. So I'm, I'm the girl that everybody normally comes to when they want to make some money, when they need to get something done, get their car fixed, get their hair done. You know what I mean? When they want to go to a dating site, when they want to hang out and go to VIP, when they want to go to one of the hottest spots in LA, um, when they trying to find a strip club or whatever it is that somebody may need, I'm just blessed to be able to have whatever the resource or whatever the contact is that they need. Um, and that's pretty much the, that's where that came from. So just hopefully you guys get it. That's, and that answers the questions that if you was wondering about that. But I hope you guys have a beautiful rest of your Monday evening. Um, it was super dope, you know, kind of getting a little vulnerable with you guys. Also kind of, you know, letting you get to know me a little bit more better. And you'll continue to get to know me more as you continue to listen, as I continue to do this podcast. I can't do this podcast without listeners. So, if you like what you hear so far, um, please subscribe and tell other people to subscribe and give me a review, guys. Um, like I said, I know my podcast is not going to be for everybody, but if you do fuck with me and you can relate to me or, you know, something resonates, 
please subscribe and again please give me a review um because i'm not going to be able to have a successful podcast without listeners and those listeners are you so on that note i'm out of here but you guys stay in your lane stay in your bag and stay blessed peace